Hi, welcome to Per My Last Email. This is your host, Michaela. Every other week, I'll be coming on here to tell you everything going on in my life. Sometimes it'll be real estate and some tips and tricks for all of you. Sometimes it'll be everything that drives me crazy about building a business, but it'll always be something you can relate to and be like, yep, definitely feel that. Each episode is meant to inspire, connect, and maybe lead you to a glass of wine while we all discuss the many reasons we've all thought about writing emails, starting with the phrase, per my last email. This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, welcome to episode two of the Per My Last Email podcast. I'm so excited that you guys are here with us and that you want to be a part of the game, girl gang. I thought to start out the first couple of these episodes, I should kind of give some backstory on who I am, how I ended up with a real estate design business, how I used to run a nonprofit, and all the stuff I did in between. Most of what I've always created has always been from a place of intuition. I went to architecture school, sat on some very famous steps of an architecture built or a building that is a famous architecture landmark and realized I didn't want to be an architect. I think I probably always knew that, but five years later, we got that proclamation to the world uh, a few weeks before graduation. But I knew that I had an immense passion and honestly gift of planning spaces and understanding how humans use space. And making sure that the space that people use is what they most need. Um, And sometimes that's as simple as a floor plan or organizing a room that you already have so that you and your family can use it best. And it can be a place that's really warm, cozy, and inviting for you and your family, depending on how you want to use the space. With that being said, uh, I graduated college. I was broke. I didn't want to be an architect, but I had an architecture degree. For those of you who don't know what that means, that's like going to med school and then saying you don't want to be a doctor. It's not exactly useful information for many other fields of work. I told my family to not talk to me about a real job, well, what they considered a real job, until my birthday, which is in September. And I graduated, call it like end of April, beginning of May. I had always worked at bars. To kind of pay my bills through college. And so I started working full time um, at a bar in Chicago. And um, I spent that summer kind of soul searching and trying to decide who I was going to be, what I was going to be, whether I was going to live in Chicago or maybe I was going to move to LA. Um, And just overall, how I was going to make my life, whatever my life was going to end up being. My childhood wasn't always super simple, um, or easy. And my mom passed away when I was young. And when she was sick, she spent a lot of time and energy helping me redecorate my bedroom. I was like 13, maybe at the time. Um, and she died shortly after that. And as 13 year olds do, I felt it incredibly important, incredibly important that my bedroom be covered in cheetah print Also, to give some reference, if I'm 13, it's 2003. Uh, So this is very on-trend, okay? This is not crazy. This is on-trend. But I decided it was incredibly important and imperative that my entire bedroom was covered in cheetah print um, on all surfaces where it was possible. And as I look back, I realized that so much of that had to do with how strong I felt cheetahs were. And I knew that my mom wasn't going to be around for much longer. and that. I had to find some strength somewhere. And so my solution was that my bedroom 
was going to be this like crystal source of energy for me every single day. And I spent an incredible amount of time from the age of 13 till I was 18 years old and moved out. Well, 17, I moved out, but that's semantics. I spent an incredible amount of time in my bedroom. I basically, if I wasn't outside in the world, I was in my bedroom. And I felt so much empowerment from being surrounded by an animal that I really, truly felt was incredibly fast and powerful and that could protect itself. When I was in that summer of soul searching, uh, drinking tequila, meeting some of my favorite girlfriends while staying up really, really, really late, I kind of had an idea that it would be amazing if I could help other children who were going through something similar that I had gone through, if I could help them get to a place in their homes where they had something that felt like that same crystal of energy that my bedroom felt like for me. Fast forward, uh, I get my real estate license. I join App Properties. I start building this real estate business and I decide I'm going to help people find and, and sell homes. But more importantly, in that, I'm going to help them create their spaces. I had this big grand idea that I could be a one-stop shop, that I could help you find your home, then I could help you renovate any part of it that is necessary. And I could help you make your home. I should say, I can help you find your house, but I can help you make your home. And then vice versa, when it comes to sales, um, with that kind of ability, I then had the ability to, you know, help people walking into a space for the first time, imagine their entire lives there, even though the space was created for somebody else's life. You know, fast forward, I'm trying to build this business, by the way, fun fact, that is in fact my business now. In case you're confused, that's literally what I do. Uh, but at the time, I'm 23. Um, I'm broke. I'm working at the bars, and I have this idea. Um, I have, you know, no recommendations. I've never even done it uh, outside of my own rooms and my own spaces. But I'm like convinced I can do it. And I'm walking to um, a meeting in the city of Chicago downtown. And I get hit by a car. I was wearing my mother's shoes that day. And I was hit by a car quite fast. I was walking. The car was driving. I flew on the hood of the car. And then I flew onto the ground. And my shoes flew across all of Michigan Avenue. And if you are familiar with Chicago, my shoes were across all of the Magnificent Mile. Um, thousands of people ran up. I mean, it was a scene. And shockingly, outside of some bruised ribs, I was fine. My shoes were not fine. They took the brunt of what happened that day. Uh, but I was okay. And that night, I was at my family attorney's home, drugged on really good painkillers. Fun fact, when a car hits you and you're any size, but especially mine, uh, it hurts. I, my body was not made to be hit by motor vehicles. Fun fact. So I'm popping pain meds. I'm a happy little clam and I'm at my family attorney's house. And in my state of happiness, I share this random idea I had, which was, you know, to build uh, rooms for children in similar situations to the one I faced or in really any kind of situation where they lose a caregiver. Um, and they feel very alone. If I could create some space for them in their home that they designed and they manifested, 
I'm just sort of uh, the agent that builds it for them and that figures out the logistics. And my family attorney thought this was the greatest thing he had ever heard. Um, by the end of the night, like half the neighbors, it felt like to me also reminder, I was on pain meds. So there could have been two people to me. It felt like half the neighborhood was in his living room by the end of the night, brainstorming how to make this happen. That was the birth of uh, a nonprofit I ran for five years called the From Now On Project. The reason I tell this story is to say, I spent five years building two businesses from the ground up at the exact same time. And I had a lot of people come to me and tell me that I should just focus on one and that when one got going, I could build the other and vice versa. And I never really could explain it fully. And now in retrospect, I can, but at the time, it felt like every bone in my body, every spirit in my soul said I had to do them together. And in retrospect, I understand that I had a lot of things I still needed healed. And in order for me to be who I am today and have the business I have today with my real estate and design clients, I needed to go through the process with children first and in the nonprofit world. And so... I grew my businesses together and sometimes it was impossible. And I had employees before I was really even able to, to be honest, financially, it wasn't a good idea to have employees, but I physically couldn't get the amount of work done that needed to get done. And so I sacrificed financially to make that happen. And I say all this to say my gut and my intuition led me to a place where I knew that both businesses needed to run so that I could be okay to eventually only run one. And I, to be honest, I didn't know which one it was going to be. Um, there was a moment in time when I was really running both and they were really both taking off that I thought I was going to stop selling real estate and I was going to make my nonprofit citywide in a much more substantial way. And, and I wanted it to be national and I wanted to give up my real estate business. And I spent so much time and effort over the years, really listening to my intuition and, and making decisions from that place that ultimately I decided the nonprofit wasn't where I wanted to be forever. It was where I needed to be in those moments. And eventually I closed my nonprofit and continued building my business and did some other really incredible, exciting projects. I did all these magical things that sort of didn't make any sense when I was sitting on those steps um, at graduation or, or a few weeks before graduation, but I did them because I just listened to my gut. And then to be honest, this podcast, uh, happened because my gut said to do it and full disclosure, a medium also told me. So if you actually think I'm batshit crazy, that's fine because I might be. Um, but if there is one thing that I've been good about my entire life, it is listening to my intuition when it came to building my businesses and listening to the things and the places that have faith and the faith that I have in them. So I hope that you all get a little bit of that out of your lives and that you guys can listen a little bit to your intuitions, because I think if they aren't tampered with by others and outside forces, they tend to tell us exactly where we need to go when we need to go there. Hi, hon. Hi. How are you? Great. I'm excited to be here. Good. Thank you so much for being here. All right. I'm going to intro you for the world. So this is <laughs> the world, the world, the whole world, <laughs> all of them that are listening. 
all four of them specifically in the world. Um, this is Laura Holloway. Um, she's built a large business over the last decade in the wellness industry. Um, you are the owner of Soul here in Chicago, which has the yummiest smoothies in case anyone like needs that in their lives. Um, you are co-founder of One for Many, which is a nonprofit and the host of the Activate podcast. And I'm sure a million other things that I just don't know about at the moment. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Good. Yay. Um, I'm excited to chat with you and just kind of get your perspective. Um, since you are in the wellness industry, I feel like your perspective on entrepreneurship and just kind of how we navigate this world will kind of come with a filter of like namaste, which is probably <laughs> what we all really need at this point. Um, so hopefully, and and if it doesn't come with any namaste, that's fine too, because I'll just be sassy about it. And, yeah. You know, that'll be what it is. I've, I've had to learn to namaste more. So, oh, okay, so definitely you're getting the, the 10 year later version of Laura, which is a lot more chill, <laughs> which is much more chill. Good. Okay. Um, all right. So let's just start from the beginning. Cool. Um, you're from the area. Yeah. I'm from the Northwest suburbs of Chicago for those that are listening that know the city. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We're in Chicago. Um, I am also from the Northwest suburbs of Chicago, but Laura and I have never met prior to recently. No, but then when we were, we were chatting, yeah. we met at Seoul. That's right. You, um, went to the same high school as my sister-in-law. That's right. So, so we're we, we have some overlap sort of connected, <laughs> sort of kind of connected in there. Um, okay. So from the Northwest suburbs, um, you were an athlete. I yes. hear. <laughs> I played, yeah, I played high level volleyball since eighth grade and then played in college, played two years at Penn state, two years at UCLA and then stayed out in LA and built my business for 10 years and then moved back to be closer to my family and expand here. And yeah. And now you're home. Now I'm home. Did LA ever feel like home or was LA like this other place? LA felt like home in certain ways. I think spiritually, it kind of felt like home. I think uh, family-wise and core value-wise, this feels like home. This but in terms like of home. like the yeah. atmosphere and the sun and the wellness and the yeah. lifestyle, that definitely feels way more aligned with my spirit. That's how I feel. Not to go <laughs> Have down, you been out there? Not to go down my road. I like half grew up in LA. Oh, you did? Um, in Orange County. Oh, cool. I would spend all of my summers um, in Orange County. And so I like to tell people I half grew up there, which is actually not true. If you look at a calendar, like that's just not accurate. Um, but it's what I say and it sounds good. And that's where we're going to go with. Okay. Um, and yeah, I feel the same. Like spiritually, it feels so good when you're in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I there just, are other things that don't feel great. I'll be like, like I've been to Tulum and, and I'm just like, God, like I'm supposed yes. to be where I'm looking at things that are tropical, right? Concrete, right? It like feels different. It just feels mm -hmm. like this is way more right. I've said that to somebody. Tulum is like the California of Mexico. Yes. And then yes, very much so. Cancun is like the Miami side. Exactly. And like you, you gotta, you gotta they're be both clear getting where you're a little going. Way over Americanized for me, which is a little frustrating, but they're great. Yeah. So especially during COVID Tulum has really taken a turn into like <laughs> what's happening here. What is happening? <laughs> It's all right. Well, Tulum, keep thriving. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing great. We really appreciate you and stay open, please. <laughs> um, okay. So played volleyball, stayed in LA. Yep. Tell me a little bit about their transition from like, okay, I'm an athlete. I don't really know. So I'm going to make an assumption here. I'm not an athlete yeah. or at least a playing athlete. I should start a business. Yeah, totally. I actually was just on a few podcasts this week because a lot of my friends um, support with the bridge, like life, life after sports. A lot of my friends yes. are in that. They write books and they're they're helping college athletes, you know, beyond their jersey. 
And so I've been sharing this story a lot more. Um, so I always kind of knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I call myself certified unemployable. I Perfect. just felt like, you know, the corporate world and putting on some pearls and dressing up in a cubicle wasn't for me that just never felt aligned. And so what I started to do, you know, during college is I was building, you know, just different ideas. Like what, like, what are some gaps that I can fill in the world that, that I'm passionate about? So like the first idea I, I played around with in college was, you know, helping college, uh, athlete or high school athletes get into their college, like kind of creating match.com for college oh, okay. students to athletes with the school, with the coach, like just kind of really, really matching all parts yeah. of that. Um, That's I was cool. toying around with that idea. Um, I was coaching for a while and I just, I knew I wanted to be free. I knew I wanted to live the lifestyle of a professional athlete without being when I got injured. I had four reconstructive right knee surgeries, three right shoulders. So playing pro was not in the cards for me. And I just kind of looked at the top of each industry and I said, you know, is that what I want to do? And is that the lifestyle that I want? You know, for me, it's always been the package that I've um, desired, like freedom, health, happiness, flexibility. Um, Are these people happy? Do they have a good family life? And I just kind of looked down, you know, owning my own volleyball club. I looked down, you know, being the the Tony Robbins route. I looked down a lot of different end game tunnels and I just decided, um, you know, I definitely wanted to work in the health and wellness industry and I wanted to build something that was mine. So me and a bunch of ex-athletes, we got together. We said, Hey, this is what we love doing. We love working out. We love eating healthy. We love traveling the world. Um, we love creating retreats. We love doing all of these things. Let's build a lifestyle and a company around it. So we started in Culver city we would do like workouts that grew to 400 people on the beach. We would come back to our first wellness center and, and it was just became this movement. And then we grew eight and now we've scaled over the United States. And now I have different versions of it in every different city. You've been to Seoul here in Chicago, yeah. which is just a little cafe, but it's, um, you know, on the back end, people can really get, I look at it as like, okay, a hundred people want a hundred percent of the marketplace wants breakfast, 20% want abs. So you can right. hit a hundred percent of the marketplace and then you can really support the people on the back end that want to change their lives and, and really um, and do the physical part. Yeah, of it. do the physical mm-hmm. part of it. So that's kind of how that journey started of me just just saying, you know, I'm willing to to look outside of the box, you know, find the right people, find the right mentors, sit down and have lunch with the the people that I admire their lifestyle and figure out w- what I want to do and and that kind of those breadcrumbs led to the right people and and I think that the transition for all of us can be similar, you know, just asking the right questions, putting yourself in conversations with the right people and making sure you're saying yes to things that are aligned with, you know, your core values and what's important to you. So I think that actually you kind of touched on this, which I think is interesting. Do you feel like you decided what you wanted out of your life versus what sort of the world decided was probably the route for you? Yeah, I think early on, I mean, I think I tested some waters of like, uh, you know, like, let me you know, my dad worked for the Wall Street Journal and it was like, okay, let me just go take an interview. You yeah, know, let me in LA. See. yeah, let me see. And it was like, oh, like, you know, immediate gap. Yeah. So it's like, I, I kind of knew, but then I would test it. And then I was open to the consideration when, when always inside staying true to myself. And I think the moments when I've thought that or gone against it, I've just felt super out of alignment and not yeah. happy. Because I think too, especially when I'm going to speak from a woman's perspective. I don't know if there's like, four men on the planet <laughs> listening to this, y'all might have a different perspective. So this is not against your perspective. It just happens to be mine as a woman. But I feel like a lot of times, especially when you're just starting out in the professional world, yeah. you you play this game of like, this is what I want versus this is what everyone says I'm supposed yeah. to do. 
and you like kind of teeter tatter between the two and you try and make everyone happy, even if it's a little bit at the expense of your own to just please the world. And I think it's interesting that you were like, it gives me this instant, like yuck gag reaction because that's actually our intuition kind of being like, hold on a second. This doesn't, this doesn't fit for us. This isn't good for us. Totally. Come back and and go play in the sandbox. That's good for us. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But that's a hard ask of like, a 23 year old, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we have coaches, we have mentors, we, we do as women innately want to be guided and want to listen. And I do think, you know, a lot of times we drown out our own voice and, um, coming back home to that is essential. It's necessary. I think it's, it's, um, can be the, the strongest guiding force in all of our lives. And it takes, you know, sometimes going so far the wrong, like outside of that to go, I, I, like, you know, either I'm injured or I'm I, now I have a chronic illness or now I got a, a multiple car accidents or bad relationships or whatever to go, wow, I am not listening. It's time to to truly, truly get on the right path and um follow what I know is true for me. So it doesn't matter if you're you're far out of alignment. That sometimes can jolt you stronger back yeah. on the path to saying, no matter what, I'm following my truth. I agree. I agree. Do you feel like then your definition of entrepreneurship is also different than like maybe what is expected? So if we're going to decide, all right, we're going down this path of entrepreneurship, yeah. we're, we're not taking these interviews, we're sort of, we're going to make this path. Yeah. Do you feel like even your definition of what that path is, is different than maybe what um, is societally Yeah, I mean, I think entrepreneurship that? is different for everyone. You know, you can look at someone like, like one of my people that I love is Sarah Blakely, you know, who built Spanx and she, you know, she's that was a niche she found that was really important, you know, to like hide our cellulite as women's. And she hustled and she went into every Nordstrom and every retailer herself. And she taught them how to sell it, you know, and, and she had her own way of becoming a billionaire. You know, it's not like everybody that creates a product is going to do exactly what she did. Um, I think what's most important is that we have an idea that's brought to us. All of us have things that have tapped us for a really yeah. long time and it wouldn't keep tapping you if it wasn't for you. And it wouldn't yeah. keep ta- tapping you if you didn't have the skills to bring it forward and the resources available to you to make it, uh, to make it happen right. in the 3d. So I think, you know, first you have this idea, you get the team, you get the, cre- you, you figure out how you're going to bring it to life. And then the grit and hitting the streets and, and bringing it to life is going to look different for every single person. I don't think that there's one this is the path. I think there's right. characteristics, there's personality traits, there's, you know, ways of being that can be, you know, different aligned for all different entrepreneurs. Like you're in real estate. I'm in the health and wellness industry. I think part of the reason why both of us are very successful is because we have some of the same personality traits, but how we do what we do is very right. different. Ultimately, you've got to be the type of person that is able to walk out of your house on your own two feet yes. without somebody holding your hand. 100%. Otherwise, like, it's just you need to wake up one time. You need to do your personal development. You need to go to the gym. You need to you know, nobody, you don't have a boss. So you right. got to so learn like how you, to employ yourself. You either have to know how to leave the house without somebody telling you to leave the house or like you're in big trouble. Yes. Um, okay. So let's fast forward then. So we're in LA, we are really enjoying the sunshine. <laughs> and then we decide we miss all of our humans and we come back to yeah. Illinois where there's not nearly as much sunshine. Although today it's like super sunny and lovely. I know. Um, we're having an LA day here today. It was 80 yesterday. I went on a at least 25 mile bike ride. It was awesome. Yeah. I just want the record to show I've never been on a 25 mile bike ride oh my in my gosh, entire life. You have life. to do it down the lakefront. You can go from South Loop to Evanston and back. You got the motorized bike now. You have no 40 miles an hour on these bikes that Lightfoot put here. You got to be able to do that. I want that. the record to show I will never go on a 25 mile bike ride. <laughs> okay. Oh my Bye. God, that is amazing. 
anything. Like but, literally never. I think that could be under your per my last email like line on the bottom. I will never, I will go, never on go on a 25, 25 mile, mile bike ride. ride. I need the record to show. I need my dating apps to be aware. Like all of it everywhere. I'm not the girl to take on the 25 mile bike ride. Not me. Clear. However, I will buy an outfit. I will take a photo, but somebody else has to remind me. And I will bring liquids to make the experience fun. I will, however, not ride a 25 mile bike ride. A good time looks different for everybody. That's right. I am here to create an experience. I will not, however, be a part of the experience. Awesome. Okay. So you come to Chicago and you decide to open Soul. Or did yeah. you come to Chicago with a different so, idea first? No, just took my time. I, I mm-hmm. just, you know, we had such a big business in LA. It was, it was time to, my brother was getting married, um, be with my family um, and kind of explore the city for the first time. Cause I hadn't been back downtown since I was 18. I've, I've yep. been gone for a long time. So just get to know people. Meet As people, an adult. Yeah. yeah. Meet people like yourself, you know, network, understand, you know, what's, what's going on in the city, right. you know, find the right people and, and decide who I want to connect with, who are my you know, spiritual girlfriend's going to be, who are my entrepreneur girlfriend's going to be, who are my nonprofit friends going to be, you know, that's when we met mutual friends like Peace God, yeah. you know, we, I I've met tons of people in this city and then just decided, okay, what's going to work here. You know, we had big wellness centers in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I was like, there's not a lot of healthy options in Chicago. Like right. I honestly was like, wait, people smoke cigarettes and there's like Dunkin' Donuts on every corner here. Like I didn't, I it's, forgot. Yeah, like I was right. like, I'm, I've been living in like Outside, foo-foo land, land, like wheatgrass shots on every corner. Like it's kind of trippy to be in that that environment for 10 years and come back here and to go, there's not a lot of access, especially when you go South. And so, um, actually one of my business partners that I came back with, she actually opened up our first center in Beverly. So we have Mm. four or five on the South side that started first and I helped them. And then I decided to open one in kind of the middle of the city and just kind of see where that, see where that goes. goes. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So you kind of alluded to a story offline here a little bit. I'm going to bring it up simply because I think it's our, for my last email moment for you. Okay. Um, and I'd love to just know the nitty gritty and stupidity of this experience. Great. So apparently some years ago, you attempted to come back to Chicago and build a brick and mortar store and it like didn't go well and no, you didn't oh, get oh, to yeah, have we, it. We forgot about that like, part. I tried to black that, that part of the story out. Oh my God. Oh. I can't believe I didn't even share that. No, no, no. I did. I actually opened up our first before Morgan opened up on the South side. We did open up actually right here by where you live, um, by whole foods. And, yeah. and, uh, it was kind of a combination. So it was going to be fitness, kind of an office center. And then also like the, this, you know, cafe lounge on the yeah. front, but cause you're in real estate, you understand these types <laughs> of terms. Um, our lawyer didn't catch that there was an out clause and our building got bought. So we had just put in a ton of money to, you know, really make this place beautiful. What you wanted it yeah, to be. what we wanted it to be. And then we said, they said, you have four months to get out. We're, we're tearing down this whole building. They expanded new city mall down that whole block. So I went back to, I stayed here, but I went yeah. and got my uh, master's in spiritual psychology back in LA because and I was just going back and forth. Yeah. For me, it's like I my podcast is called Activate. It's all about growing on both the soul line and the goal line. So if I'm not necessarily moving things forward on the goal line, I definitely want to be evolving that on the sense. soul yeah, line. You, you know, you. So I was, I was like, let me throw myself into personal growth. Like we got to keep evolving keep here, doing something. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's get a little bit into the nitty gritty of like the shit show that was that building. Yeah. Are you yeah, ready? She's yeah, like, I yeah, blocked yeah. No, it. No, teach ma'am. me about, uh, you could probably teach me more about this experience. She's than like, I, I blocked it. How many more times do you have to bring it up? <laughs> I blocked it out for a reason. Okay, so part of the podcast, what we talk about is just like 
sometimes the struggles that we as women face when we're trying to do things in a masculine world. Yeah. And um, I think you even said it well, um, a female in a masculine world is going to kind of have to walk alone and be misunderstood in their entire experience and yeah. just kind of decide they don't care yeah, to some extent, or true. at least not care in public yeah. and then go home and care all they want about it. Yeah. Do you want to give me like, even if you can think of like one or two instances in that storyline where you were like, this is not what we had all agreed to. This is not kind of the experience that we all thought we were getting. We put on all this time and effort. And like, how is it that you were the last to know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the best example of like, okay, maybe enough. the masculine and feminine where I would go inside of that in that particular story is maybe making moves like quickly. Like I, I think men and women innately are designed to move a little differently. Yes. You know, I think for women, at least from my experience, you know, we know things, we have this intuition, we feel into experiences and we test it out. I think men are more linear and they're like, I need to make this choice. This is the bottom line. This is the decision. And I think maybe I didn't give myself personally enough time and space. And maybe I rush into that choice um, versus giving myself a little more time, even down to that contract. So that's where I would, would, to your point, would put that in there. Um, In terms of the specific contract, I just honestly think it was a really shitty situation. I think I I really got, honestly got played by that um, real estate person. Like I think that they wanted a deal and knew what was going to happen. Um, so that's just somebody that's kind of operating out of integrity yeah. and they're going to have to deal with karma they're gonna, on their own. Yeah, they have you their know, own like I, I'm not, I don't have to get into no, that no, for no, them. No. God, yeah, for God sure. will take care of that. Yeah, I agree. So, um, but I do like that, that conversation and that point, especially because, um, you know, you're in the real estate world. My friend, uh, Aaron Coop, I don't know if you know her, but she was with CBRE for okay, a very on long, the commercial side. Yeah. On the yeah. commercial side for a very long time. And she, you know, talked a lot about this, like Mm. being a female in that masculine dominated space. And she actually has gone on to create her own podcast and her own blogs. And she's now like has a whole coaching program. And, you know, she would always say, we would always talk about this, like it's relationships and people like over everything, like even, even before the bottom line and the bottom line comes because of that. And I don't think a lot of men necessarily understand that or want to operate in that way because it just doesn't necessarily innately make sense for them. And so I think women can be misunderstood a lot of times by, by what we care about, what, what can lead us, what can drive us. And if we actually live from that space, I think we're going to feel better. I think we're going to thrive. We're going to learn that we can win that way, but we have to trust it to have results so we can be respected in a man's world yeah. and not try to play the masculine game. Yeah. I think there's a, there's something to that because if you play the masculine game, you'll get the initial sort of like good job sticker and you'll get burnt out though long-term and then you'll get burnt out. And that's a whole nother problem because I think also when women get burnt out, it looks drastically different than when men get burnt out. So if you play the masculine game, you're going to get your good luck or, you know, good job sticker. It's going to go on for a little, and then you're going to literally be a puddle on the ground that like no one can get you out of. Absolutely. If you play the feminine card, it's a longer game. Totally. The beginning is going to be a little rougher. Well, it's sustainable, you know. But then it's so sustainable. It's not like this, this high right. and this low. Right. It's more this this steady steadiness. Yeah. There, there's and, space involved. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you do, you know, the the first three months, the first six months, the first two years, they might feel really lonely. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Because you're just not going to get those good job stickers, and you're going to say no to things. A lot of people are saying yes to, because yeah. it's not aligned for you. Yeah. You know, you might not get as many, 
you know, whatever deals or whatever you're looking for, because it's just like, no, I have to follow my truth and my core values, no matter what, while somebody else might take this just because it'll hit the bottom line. You're not right. And you have to trust that you'll be rewarded for that long term. Right. There's a long term gain, but like you, like you said, you have to have the vision to be able to be playing the long game. And you have to put the right things first. You have to say, okay, my morals, my values, my spiritual compass comes first. Okay. My, my health and well being. I'm not going to sacrifice that. Yeah. And, and if you put that first, the, the choices in the beginning are going to seem harder and you're going to get pushed up against, particularly by people working from the masculine, both men and women working from the masculine because we both have both inside of us. And I think long-term you're going to see that people respect you. They, they know now how to work with you and, and they can see that, oh, wow, she might operate differently, but she's getting results. It's not even more. There's also a consistency that people then learn Yeah, because the masculine, when you come from that and it's like chasing the bottom line and it's chasing that very deal. And like, it's laser focused to the point of where like literally nothing exists on this planet, except for that. Exactly. You know, activity, there's such a high and then there's such a low and the rules change per deal. And so then when other people are trying to interact with you or have relation with you of any kind, the rules are constantly changing and they have to somehow adapt to that or get out the way. Um, versus if, if we come at it from kind of that feminine place of like, it's got to align for me, slow and steady wins the race on this. Everyone around you can kind of cushion you a little knowing where you're going to go every time. Yeah. And then it's, it's easier for everybody else to kind of be around. Totally. hundred percent. And, and I know a lot of men, by the way, that operate from this space. Yeah. You know, I think what's happening on the planet is, and what happened in COVID and what's realigning everywhere in the world is this shift of the balance of the masculine and feminine in all of us. And I think the masculine has dominated our world for a really long time. And we're seeing, wow, that no longer serves us. And what we're craving is this sense of harmony. Yeah. And that's a sense of harmony in all of us. Like, I don't think we can be in business now without understanding, you know, humanity. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us being locked up for so long kind of eliminates that ability to go chase that next win. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, all right, if no one can do that, we got to figure out something else to do. And so that then inevitably kind of like rebalances a little bit. Totally. Absolutely. And then, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens when the world really is open. Yeah. (laughs) When when we all go to play outside, um, what that, what that all ends up looking like from a business perspective. Totally. I know what it looks like when, from like a alcohol consumption standpoint, <laughs> I don't know what it looks like from a business perspective yet. Um, but it'll be, I guess, interesting to kind of see how that plays out. Totally. Um, yeah. It's like you've, we've been able to have like clear boundaries virtually right, because right. it's like, we literally have boundaries, boundaries. and now it's, it's going to say, can I maintain those when, right. when stepping back right. out in the world? Right. And that's going to challenge me to use my voice. That's going to challenge me to say no and uh, maybe upset some people, you know, and and that's really where we get to stand up for ourselves. And that's when you'll start to see in the beginning, there's pushback and then there's like respect. Yeah. Once everybody kind of understands the new boundary then there's respect, there's always going to, you know, be the pushback and the like, get on my lane. I like it better over here. As long as you kind of um, stick your ground, then eventually everyone will kind of get around you. Um, Okay. So we touched on this a little. I'm interested your perspective on burnout for women. What does that look like? Um, 
what has I think been it's your exactly, experience with that? It's exactly what we've been talking about. You know, for many years, I was a very, very high level athlete. So I was under the theory or what was running my system was win at all costs. And so, you know, my first injury when was when I was when I was 18 years old and um, you know, I was always kind of playing up. So I really wanted to come back to win the national championship that year with my grade. And so I, I remember making a decision in the doc- doctor's office saying, no matter what, I'm coming back. They're going to tell me six months, I'm going to come back in three. So what I did is I woke up early, did pool workouts, did whatever I had to do yeah. to come back. And it was kind of like Cinderella's story, Gatorade player of the year, all these things we won. But what happened was that, that override of my, it taught me two things. Number one, I can overcome anything and and I have the power to, to choose in a moment. But like you said, when nothing else matters outside of it, it creates a linear perspective versus a yes and perspective. And, um, I think that there's a definite cost to that. You know, for me, I saw it the first place I saw it was in my body. You know, I, when I transferred to UCLA, I didn't even pass my physical because I had a torn ACL and a torn rotator cuff. And I didn't even know it because I was overriding at all costs. Right. So I think, um, burnout can look like a lot of different things that I mentioned earlier. A lot of my friends have experienced chronic illness. A lot of my friends have experienced, you know, hair loss or, um, just, the way stress manifests right. in all of our bodies as women is different. A lot of my friends yeah. haven't been able to get pregnant, you know, for a really long time. Right. They haven't given their systems time to relax and actually receive a yeah. baby. Right. Um, obviously, I know that there's a lot more that goes into that, but I'm just saying yeah. in general, like stress can do things that are crazy to yeah. all of our bodies. And so, you know, we live in a Western culture where we value um, you know, hard work. We value the bottom line. We value, you know, in Chicago, one of the first things people say, it was like, oh my gosh, Michaela, nice to meet you. What do you do? Right. You're not, not yeah. like, who are you? Right. What, like, what, what do you are value? Your, yeah, what are your values? Like, tell me about your heart. Tell me about your family. Tell me about what you want in life. Tell it's me about what your do you purpose. Do? It's what do you do? What have you achieved? What, what have, have you, you achieved? Where? And that's our culture. And that's, that's fine. And, and there's an American dream that's attached to that, but at what cost? You know, so how do we bring in these nurturing values? How do we bring in this Eastern philosophy, this, this timeless, like we're not, we're not in a race against time, right? Um, we don't die at 40 anymore. No, we're going, if we're going to live to a hundred beyond, we're going to continue to reinvent ourselves every 10, 20 years. Calm down, breathe, give yourself space. And that's where bringing in you know, different practices to get yourself centered and grounded and having a daily spiritual practice and doing these things consistently to rework our wiring because it's a part of our culture. It's on the TV. It's what our coaches say. It's what our schools teach. It's what's wired into our system. So when we go against that, it's, it's new. We have to relearn how to create longevity. We have to relearn how to create balance because burnout in our system as a female I think is inevitable if we're going to play the game as it's laid out. <laughs> and so yes. we have to say, you know what? That doesn't serve me. And I want to play a different game. On top of the fact that like, it's scientifically proven. We need more sleep. <laughs> let us sleep. Yes. Eight hours, please. Like, please let me sleep. I'm not a good human otherwise. Yes. It's in your best interest to let me sleep. Yes. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing, telling me us all about kind of the journey that's gotten you here and mostly the journey that's gotten you to make us soul smoothies. Um, <laughs> You're so silly. Really, it's a journey about how I ended up with a soul smoothie. <laughs> Got it. Okay. 
<laughs> as long as like everyone's clear. Um, they're yummy though. They're like real yummy. You're Can cute. we like plug them really quick? Yeah. If, if your listener base is here in Chicago, you know, we do have little cafes all over the United States. So if you're in Arizona, you can DM me. If you're in Connecticut, if you're in Texas, if you're in LA, DM me because we have little, you know, spots everywhere. But if you're in Chicago, it's across from Beatnik on Chicago and Ashland in between Polina. It's a little cute wellness center coming. It is with yummy, yummy, yummy treats. You're so sweet. Um, well, that's, that's it for this episode. Um, thank you so much for coming and chatting. And I guess, uh, the world will hear from me in two weeks. I love it. Thanks so much, Laura. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or I thoroughly annoyed you enough that you feel like you have to come back for more, please go subscribe, rate us, send a review and share us on social. You sharing us means all of our struggles don't have to be in silence anymore. And it means we all have a voice. Most importantly, it means I get to keep making episodes. So please go share. 